Well, good day. I'm Mark Sylvester, Ambassador of 805 Connect, and your host for this 805 Conversation, where we talk to fascinating people you'll want to know better. Our show is sponsored by California Lutheran University's School of Management and Tolman and Weicker Insurance Services. Thanks to them both for their support and encouragement. And thanks to our podcasting partner, Pull String Press, for this great studio. Well, today, uh, I'm thrilled. We've got Roger Derling here, who's the, the artistic director, executive director, head of the food chain at the Santa Barbara <laughs> Film Festival. Executive director is my title. Is that what it is? Call me anything you want. I I love all that. Roger, uh, we were talking before we got going that uh, I've been involved with the film festival since the very beginning. We did the we did the opening trailer with at Wayfront, the where we flew into Santa Barbara on this film strip, and like way was thirty something years ago. But you came on in 2003, yeah? Correct, yeah. And and I remember, I was because I was on the board at the time, and we were looking for an artistic, we needed someone to come in and help, and you volunteered, and you were running the French Bulldog in in Summerlin at the time. Like a cafe. And and you said, and they said, you introduce yourself. He says, I am a film geek. I, I don't sleep. I watch five or six films a night, mm-hmm. and you're encyclopedic in your knowledge of film. And things haven't changed. I still, <laughs> I still stay up most nights just watching films. I'm an insomniac, so I tend to um, take, you know, usually when everybody's asleep, I tend to take uh, time to uh, just watch movies. What's your favorite part of that, watching movies? Um. Actually, it's, like, it's, it's, it's it, lately I just realized that is the fact that my favorite part is that since I was a little, I was I was always felt kind of like an outcast, and I felt like I didn't belong for for many reasons that you we may want to get into it or you may not want to, but um, in in you know in in film, film to me was the ultimate um, um, just. Just everybody's equal at the movies, you know. Oh, you, you, everybody's in the dark, and nobody judges, and it's a community experience, and you actually are able to see and experience things that that you can identify with, and um, and you're able to face, you know, Hannibal Lecter straight in the eye, right. or or you know. You're able to, you know, me being a homosexual man and, 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 you know, many years of homosexuality not being as accepted as it is today and then seeing things like, um, you know, early films, you know, My Beautiful Laundrette and seeing that, that I was alone, alone and, there was, and there was people like me and all the different facets that make me, uh, uh, me who, I, uh, who I am. And that, to me, was always fascinating as a, as, a, as, a, as a young man since I was little. You know, the fact that it was the ultimate equalizer right. films, you know. Now, it, I, I like that what you said. It's the, that community experience when I'm watching a film with a whole group of people. But when you're at home and you're just you're watching by yourself, th- that's a little different. Yeah, but I mean, it's because you know now, I actually make a priority of always going to see first round films 
as much as possible in a community and going to the right. movie theater. But uh, I mean, there's a lot of old films that are not shown anymore. And in, in we we used to go to the old Bijou right. and sure. see and see you know the Maltese Falcon and see you know Elevator to the Gallows or Eight and a Half and and you don't get that that experience anymore. So that's where. That's actually, I, I never make a point of seeing a film I've never seen at home when I'm in my insomniac period. I usually just go and see old films or, or things that um, I've already seen and I've appreciated and I want to see it again and stuff. Are, are you, um, do you like to watch movies over? Oh, absolutely. Com- really? Com- yeah, compulsively. I compulsively? Mean, yeah. I mean, like, I, I, I watched, I I. Yesterday, you know, I teach. I've been teaching for 13 years at City College Film Studies, and and there are films like yesterday I show, I show Lost in Translation, Sofia Coppola's, and and I realized I had seen it maybe 23 times already. No kidding. And every time I just I it's it's like an old friend. You just revisit it and. And you, there are more nuances, and and it, 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 you know, in something like Lost in Translation, when I first saw it, you know, 13 years ago, I was I was you know, duh, 13 years younger. So the character of Charlotte, her journey, I kind of related more to, and. Um, and now, 13 years later, I watch Lost in Translation and the character of Bob Harris, by, played by Bill Murray, now he's having this midlife crisis and, and I tend to, you know, relate to, you know, so things shift when you go back to, to, to film. And uh, I mean, when you were younger, you, 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 you know, you had, you know, certain ideals and also you know, your perception wasn't as sharp as, as, as you mature and you look back at a film and you understand more of the nuances and it resonates in different mm. ways. You, um, th- tell me about the teaching. The teaching's fun because we've had a lot of educators on the show. And I, I've said that one of the things about the teachers is they're, they're so smart in that, in that area and the only people that get to hear them are either other teachers or their students. They don't get it to get out and talk to the world. What's the... The, the thing that draws you to teaching so much? Uh, well, I mean, it is definitely the most rewarding thing I do. And, oh, really? Uh, absolutely. If, if I had a, if I was, if I was at, which I'm, hopefully it won't happen, where I'm pressured into you have to choose between the two, mm. I mm. would definitely give up the film festival in a heartbeat and, uh, and go towards, gravitate towards teaching. Um, it's, it's the fact that you are able to engage and enrich and, and absolutely make, uh, make a difference. You know, you're able to inspire a young mind, introduce them to different ideas and actually, um, um, you know, inspire. You know, I was inspired. I mean, I'm I'm the product of incredible um, teaching opportunities, and um, and I just I I I feel I feel compelled to you know return the favor if if I may use that phrase. No, no, I I, I appreciate that a lot because I I love to teach as well. I mean, I don't formally teach, but I'm a I'm a coach, mm-hmm. and. Was there, tell me about that pivotal teacher for you as you were growing up, because there was some teacher that 
actually got you thinking, but I want to do that. Oh, absolutely. Um, his name is Jeff Holcomb. Unfortunately, oh. he he died. Uh, he died two years ago, actually in in the middle of the film festival, and oh. and, and it's actually a really sweet story. He he um, he followed the film festival very carefully, and um, on his deathbed, I called him. Um, I was I was on my way to uh, the tribute of Ethan Hawke and Patricia Arquette, and he 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 loved Ethan Hawke, and I told him what I was doing, and he said, "Give them hell, give them hell." <laughs> and that's actually the phrase that he always used to people. He would just say, just you know, to his students, he says, "Give them hell, you know, raise some hell." And um, and um, yeah, he was he was you know, I went to a prep school in New Jersey called right. the Petty School, which is you know, it's the Walter Annenberg uh, school. He he left an endowment of three hundred thousand, I mean, three hundred million dollars when oh he my, died to the school to the school to oh the prep gosh. school. And um, and I I got there in nineteen seventy eight, and, um, and here was this teacher who was openly gay. And um, and um, he encouraged everybody to be themselves and to embrace um, just just embrace differences and um, and self-expression. He forced you to take debate classes. He forced you to take speech. Uh, classes, um, public speaking classes. He forced you to perform, to sing, and wow. um, and yeah, just and, as a normal part of what was going on, as part of your curriculum. Yeah, the, you know, he he wanted everybody. He would grab the jocks in the school. He would grab really, and he said, "You need to sing. You need to participate in the speech." speaking contests, you need to participate in debate, you need to uh, take dancing classes and and he was always just uh, making everybody um, Was he the headmaster? No, he was just the head of the arts program but he was um, um, pretty forceful in that way, I mean he demanded every, I mean he would literally, you would be walking down the hall and he would grab you and say hey, you know, you're you're heavily into sports, but you are not doing any arts-related program, and you have to do something, and uh, forced you to do it. And in different parts of of art, you know, he encouraged people to. I mean, I I I, I was forced into watercoloring and and you know the different facets. And then right. I found then I found that I really loved film and theater. And and it was it, through. It was at that time. It was at the time, yeah, in high school, and um, and he he would plan uh, these trips to New York City to see uh, plays. And as, uh-huh. as a matter of fact, um, um, I have been I've I have been uh, supporting that program because they were they, they were going to shut oh. it down. Where um, you know he would you know get a bus and go to New York City and see plays, and and now you know I'm the you know, I fund it, which I'm actually. Oh wow! I find it, I find it, I find it, I find it extremely rewarding to do. And we got to see. I mean, I'll never forget seeing Angela Lansbury and Len Carew in the very first preview of Sweeney Todd, uh, in you know, in 19. With uh, a class of kids. With a class of kids, uh, the wow. very first preview, and like that, he would just one after the other. Yeah, about once a month, he would take. 
students and introduce them to the theater uh, in New York City. A tremendous man. And um, I actually, you talk to anybody that, that came, you know, through through many decades that met Harry. Um, he, his name is Jeff Holcomb, but his nickname, they would call him Jeff or Harry. Um, Jeff Harry Holcomb. And um, everybody was influenced. Everybody was touched uh, you know, by him. How old were you? Um, 12, 12, 13. You know, I came, I came to freshman uh, in the United States. You know, I'm from Panama. I was born and raised right. in Panama. Right. Yeah, so I came, I came when I was 12, 13. There's a teacher here in Santa Barbara who just retired two years ago who you know is the uh, Santa Barbara Teen, the Youth Press, mm-hmm. uh, JSP, Press. John, yeah. uh, Teen Press, John uh, uh, Siegel Baitner, yeah. who has, he hits them right when it's 12, 13, 14, mm-hmm. and is, I mean, there are thousands of kids in this community who can trace right back to JSB as being that integral part in their life. And when you see how he is with kids at that age, I think it takes a special, there's a special something to connect at that age level. Yeah. yeah. No, absolutely. And um, and encourage people to get out of your comfort zone, which is, I, I think, is what Harry uh, did to all to all of us, and in particular to me. Get outside your comfort zone and experience things. And and I had I had a lot of uh, questioning about my sexuality, about how do I fit in. I you know I mentioned earlier that I always felt like an outcast, and um, and 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 he was. Uh, just very forthcoming about you know you are special, but mm-hmm. but you're not a freak, which right. is how I was feeling at right. the time, and um, and, uh, and that that was really terrific. I mean that was high school, and then in college I had another professor that was um, highly influential, but in a different way. Um, his name is Arthur Storch, and he's also uh, since has, has died. Um, he was heavily involved with the actor Studio in New York City. You know, right. He was a coach to Al Pacino and all these different um, actors. And um, this was at Syracuse University, and there was a um, affiliated with Syracuse Stage, and he was the head of the drama department and also the head of the of, of Syracuse Stage. And and this man was really I, 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 I don't know if you've seen Whiplash. Oh um, my gosh! Yeah, he was. Was he that he guy? He was Fletcher. Really? And um, but 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 he but I. It, it took me a while to understand that that he would only latch on to people that he actually thought that were talented. Right. And, right. But he was, a, you know, as some people may think he was abusive in in, in the way that he um, approached um, students. And but he but then but once again he would not waste his time with people that he didn't think were talent or worth uh, spending his time on. It, was it hard to be aware that the fact that he's paying attention to me means there's something to pay attention to and that's good? Or you is it you're so in the moment of, gosh, this guy's yelling at me. No, it took me a while. It took me about three years, mm. you know, and, and the, you know, I, I come 
from, I mean, it's public knowledge. I mean, I think you've heard, you've read about it. I come from abuse and, and, um, and, um, that abusive behavior, it's something that I, I, I gravitated towards, but at the same time, it was really hard for me to sure, be, sure, to be, sure. to be I, especially at that age, to, to feel, you know, this very, uh, um, imposing uh, abusive character but it, it wasn't actually it's kind of a touching story um, he did break me down and um, and um, and he called me he knew that he had pushed me to the limit right. of, of, of abusive behavior <laughs> and and he called me in um, the following day and he said you know the, the, he explained what he had been doing he said wow he, he actually he said to me you you need to start respecting yourself and believing yourself the moment you start feeling that way then everything will click um and people will and and and, and you're actually going to rise to your potential um and that that has, that that actually that conversation that ha- that was a key moment it, it was a key moment that even even actually to this day uh, has stuck with me. You know the fact that um, you know he's the one that that yeah made made a big emphasis to um, make make me realize that the, that you you need to value yourself. You need to believe in yourself and respect yourself. And 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 af- after that happens, that evolution happens. You you know you you will be respected and you actually will grow as an individual. And he made a big point of, of lecturing me about that. You now as a teacher, and you told us of two very influential teachers that it sounds like you stayed in touch with as an adult. Oh, I, yeah. I, up, up until both of their death, especially the high school one, you know, I, I, I kept in touch constantly um, I would actually take him to New York City with me to see Broadway shows and take him out to dinner and then I I, as I mentioned about 15 years ago the school um, because of uh, cuts on arts programs they were going to cancel this bus trip to New York City mm. and then I stepped up and said that we needed to continue doing that so um, and, and to that, this day to this day, it still continues on. It's named after after Holcomb, uh, Jeff. Uh, yeah, it, it it makes me think of Mike's field trip to the movies. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. Why don't you tell us about that real quick? Uh, well, I mean, Mike is this force of nature that you know we became friends um, you know, just around the time that, that actually during during my time at the French Bull- Bulldog, he 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 will come in with Tim Matheson and we will talk about movies and, mm. and mm. actually he was Mike was so the, this is Mike Degree Mike filmmaker Degree. who passed away three years ago and uh, but but interestingly you know it, it, my staff. Points out, I, 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 I always think of him in the present tense. I yeah, never me too. Me too. I never, I never referred to him as, as, as deceased. Um, um, he, he, um, he's probably one of the most influential people vis-a-vis the film festival. Um, he, he's the one that told me that I needed uh, to go for 
being the being the ed of of the right. film festival that i got what it what it right. what it, what it took to be the head of the festival and um and then you know my first year um you know i reached out to him about you know, creating educational programs, which have become actually huge component right. of the film festival. Right. These educational programs, and um, he—he's the one that came up with the idea of Mike's. I mean, it, it, it was then called Field Trip to the Movies, and and we started buzzing in. The, that first year, we only had 200 kids from Title I schools, third grade right. to sixth grade. And right. we, we buzzed them at the auditorium at the Museum of Natural History. And um, and and now we... You it, have, what, 2,000, right? And, no, actually, it's 5,000 kids. Two sessions, 2,200 each. So it's close to 5,000. And you've and had that, Jim Cameron talk to them and... That's Mike's doing. I mean, Mike... Uh, convinced James Cameron to come the year of Avatar and then our our RSVP uh, uh, of of schools that wanted to participate just just it just grew so quickly and then since then Pixar and um, and all this different um, you know uh, family programming uh, studios contact us even before oh, oh. I mean we've already got in contact you're all for, set for, for next for, year for next year absolutely and it's become definitely the signature educational program at the film festival you know, it's, you know. it's yeah that's such a big part of it right I mean I remember back in the day there wasn't anything and now there's uh, there's the ten 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 program, and there's the, there's uh, you know we have the film studies program, which is actually it's it's my current pride. And that's and brand new, right? It's it's been it's been in the make for about six years. That's where we you know we started locally with Nico Maestro, the the, the film studies chair at City College, and um, and we. We, he created a curriculum where he uses the film festival as a campus, basically. Oh. And then they, they meet every morning and they have a classroom oh, really? uh, experience. They have private seminars. They have private screenings. They attend all the tributes. But they have a curriculum. They have a, they have a syllabus and they have to follow. And, and they have to write analytical papers. And Do other film festivals do that? Not that I know of. No, and then then what happened is that we honed it um, for about three years, four years until we had the the you know the curriculum uh, structured. Right. And then, but ultimately the goal was to do it on a national level. So two years ago, really? we brought in ten students from across the country, and we housed, we flew them, we housed them and fed them and they participated with we continue with the local students so total right. we have about 80 students wow. and um, and and uh, 10 two years ago were from national and we had all across the country and then last year we upped it to 20 students nationally and then next year it'll be 30 and Linda Wyman actually is the one that I told her this 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 program and she said I'll fund this completely because for us, the 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 um, you know we wanted to fly the students and we wanted to house them and and um, and that was important. So she she's funded that. 
And Linda's the new president. The president of the board, yeah. I that, mean, so that must be I mean, I mean, this thread of education running through this. You, you being a teacher, being influenced by teachers, having a huge educational component of the festival. Then Linda coming in, and she has got some very strong views about education. Absolutely. Very strong views. Extremely. And that's the part that, I mean, we had been doing, I mean, and you're aware because you were on the board, we were doing Filter to Movies. We were doing 10, 10, 10. We do Apple Box where we, we 10,000 um, low-income families come to see free cinema, and um, and then we had this film studies program. Um, I, I, it, it, education was always a, a, a very important part of the of the festival. But then the past two years, it's it's been at the forefront. You right. Know, it's beca- right. become our 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 re- you know raison d'être, our reason for being. Yes. And yeah. then Linda has come in and even crystallized it even more. And Very she said, much. like this is you know, we, we you know, and I told her we had this big education retreat with her and Mimi Degree mm, mm, mm. and um and we had a you know, uh, uh, other board members, and and, and and we we want to become the education film festival, and we're aware that the things that we're doing. I mean, Sundance um, does education stuff, but it, it's it's more about uh, f- uh, young starting. I mean, young filmmakers, and it's about nurturing them for their next projects right. and stuff. But nobody's doing. Uh, what we're doing, especially across um, all different ages, you know, and, you know, starting with third grade up, you know, up to, um, you know, college level. And, um, you know, we're, we're teaching them film appreci- appreciation with, um, um, with uh, Field Trip to the Movies and Apple Box. Then we're teaching them craft with 101010, which is the program where, right, right. where we, you know, we, 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 we pair uh, young filmmakers and screenwriters with professional mentors. And they spend three months of, of a process to create a film or script. And then then we have this film studies programs, which is which is is analytical thinking. So it's covering it's covering. Give me an example of that. The, uh, the analytical. Part. Well, it's the part that I mentioned that this film studies. The students come in. They have a classroom setting. They have to write papers. They have to learn how to analyze a film. How to break down mise en scène and composition and. And um, and write write about the themes of the movie and how it, that is reflected on the actual filmmaking process. I, I'm I'm going to tell our listener here that I we there's something called the Santa Barbara uh, Film Festival Cinema Society, Correct. which is uh, getting to watch films uh, all year long, probably 40 different films on the weekends, and then uh, quite often you have uh, some talent from the film mm-hmm. uh, that you interview, and I remember the film that was uh, Kinsey. And I remember, and this is specifically about your analytical power. It's a superpower you have, by the way, Roger, that you have. It is a superpower. Um, You were talking to, I think it was the director of... Bill uh, Cobden. Yeah, right. The director. Yeah. Writer, director. And you said that you'd noticed 
that in the beginning of the film, everything was in squares. The architecture, mm -hmm. the camera moves, everything was squared off. Mm -hmm. At then there was a transition in the film and everything became circular. The architecture, the set design, the camera motion, that was about the most subtle thing I'd ever noticed. I mean, like, I, I didn't notice it, but that you did see that. And, and I can't tell you how many directors or interviews I've heard you be with where they'll say, you're the first one who ever noticed that. Where, where did you get that power of observation around the analytics? Well, I would call it a superpower. It's it is totally a superpower. But, but actually, since I was, a, I was little, that's the way. It's almost, you know, uh, autistic way of looking at things and, and movies. And, and I actually, that's the part what I was mentioning, that I felt like an outcast. I felt like a freak. I was always noticing these patterns and, and, uh. this, and, and this different way of looking at cinema and um, and I, I was always very apologetic um, when I would bring that up to people and I don't know if you recall I mean you've been with Cinema Society and attending for so many years that when I would ask those questions 13 years ago 10 years ago 7 years ago I would always say I'm going to ask you this crazy question right, right. and I apologize and, and then I would I would I would ask the question and the person would say, "Oh my God, how did you exactly, know that?" Exactly. Now, now I've grown confident that it's the right question to ask. So I don't I don't apologize. I just go, you know, directly for it. I mean, I'm, I think that that you know, really really good directors consciously or unconsciously, but most of the time consciously. And we're talking Hitchcock, we're talking Polanski, right. um, you know, we're talking uh, Todd Haynes and, and, and Sofia Coppola. The, the, what, the themes of the movie, what, what they, they want to uh, convey to an audience, all of that is the inspiration for how they design, mm. how how the choices of angles, of shots, of color, and um, and you know, uh, film is a very visual um, sure. um, uh, uh, art, and and so directors, really good directors, plan. Um, all of that to be able to either, you know, subliminally convey what they're trying to, to, to say to an audience. And, and that's why, you know, if you see a David Fincher movie, which always deals with opposing forces that ultimately have to work together in order to resolve an issue, you, you see that David Fincher only uses, um, Two color schemes of, really? of blue and yellow, and and you know blue represents you know um, thought, and yellow represents impetuous um, behavior, and that's huh. where huh. you know you have you know in seven you have two 
two, you know, colors represented. You had the Morgan Freeman, you know, thought, you know, uh, wisdom, let's slow down. And then you have the Brad Pitt represented in yellow. You know, <coughs> let's just, let's just come on, you know, what's in the box? Let's get things done. Um, in, in Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, you have the same dynamic in, in Fight Club. And, um, um, and, and so, yeah, yeah, I mean, that's how directors work. And I've, since I was little, I tune into that. And, um, and it, was a, it, was, it was a Pandora's box for me. It was just very exciting. Right, especially when you, now you're in a position to, to say, okay, I saw this thing, and this is how I connected the dots. This is what I think they were doing. Now you, you're actually in a position to talk to the director. I'm in a position and, to talk to them. And say, well, what do you think? And, they, and then they say, God, that was a great question, Roger. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's 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 been extremely empowering um, because, as I said before, I, I thought I was a freak and, and my way of thinking was not, you know, was was, you know, not not the norm. And then eventually have realized that that it's it's okay and it's you know I've been encouraged and that's actually what I teach my students. So that's what, I wanted to ask you that. How, how do you teach? Because I want to learn that, Roger. I want to I want to go because every time I listen to the the Q and A afterwards, or I want to go watch the film again because now I always go, oh, I completely missed that. How do you teach that? I I mean I I break it down into 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 um, you know the power of color and what the okay. colors mean and how can it be used. I break it down to you know how how proximic patterns are used. Pro what proximic pat like what in proximity? That? Yeah, like proximity. Oh, so patterns. like close up versus far away or correct? Yeah, I mean there's constantly huh. you know film. Um, it's it's all a, a space is the most powerful way of conveying meaning on the screen. How characters, how how much space they have in between them, um, and I teach that, you know, um, and also um, in the the choices of shots, they um, you have proximic patterns. Let me explain. Huh. Is that like like you know you, you we, on an everyday basis you walk around. Um, and you look, you look at people, and then right. and you you see a couple that is extremely close to one another, and your brain immediately makes the connection that these this gotta be they gotta be lovers because of how close they yes. are. Um, then you see a mom and a daughter, and they have a personal space, and you immediately sure. can gauge what kind of relationship is is about how much space they have. You know, right now you and I have more of a, a social space and right. a distance. Right. Um, you know, and sometimes you you have a formal relationship with you know somebody who you just met, and they keep a farther distance now. With shots, when you have close-ups, when you have medium shots or or long shots, that that's that's the same thing. 
vis-a-vis the audience and the subject being portrayed on the screen is that directors know that if I use a lot of close-ups like Rosemary's Baby uh, in, in Mia Farrow, that the audience is going to create an intimate relationship mm-hmm, mm-hmm. With, with Mia. Um, you know, Kubrick wanted you to have a, a formal relationship with the characters being portrayed on the huh. screen. So he sh- would shoot things on, on, on long shots. Um, it, it, this is a sort of thing. So you said, so you had color, and then you had proximic well, co- patterns, uh, and then. Pa- I mean, but, but this is, I, I mean, I, it's 18 weeks of <laughs> and there's all this different, you know, things to look for that I break it down. How does sound fit in? Um, uh, sound is pretty powerful because it expands the, the, the 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 space um, you know you're able to create um, you know you're you're looking at a flat surface and then all right. of a sudden you know it it becomes a three dimensional experience um, it could also like somebody like Quentin Tarantino it could become an ironic commentary to what's happening on the screen I mean when you think about the the scene of the the ear cutting sequence in Reservoir War dogs, where is one of the most horrifying sequences. You know, you're watching a man getting his ear taken off, and then, you know, the radio is playing, you know, this pretty happy tune, and and Quentin Tarantino did it as a Brechtian device, you know, basically, to keep you, um, because he knew how visually um, horrifying uh, um, the the visuals are, um, and he kept you at bay by the you know by a happy tune. Um, I could go on and on. I mean, color no, I mean, high, color is a highly emotional yeah. uh, experience. You know, we have we have warm colors and we have cool colors, and you have directors like Almodovar that use um, you know uh, a lot of red to just, you know, engage you emotionally, you know, it's, it, you have associations of love and passion, you know, with red, and then you have somebody like Fincher that uses blue and yellow, um, and, th- you know, this is what I, I systematically go through all the different, um, you know, movement is so important to, did you know that when you watch, when you watch camera movement or you see characters move on the screen from left to right, you feel very comfortable. That is psychologically um, um, soothing to us because that is the way we read. Um, so when mm. so when you have camera moving from left to right or you have characters moving from left to right on the screen, it is soothing. But then if you if you move characters from right to, to left, um, it's it's uncomfortable. It's it's it makes us it makes us tense. It's we associate that with um, you know bad things. So um, directors know that, and they, when they want to make you feel you know you know you think about um, there's two examples I can give you that that most people will be aware of in you know in Mad Max uh, Fury Road. Um, you know the 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 first half of the movie. Um, you know the I mean, whole 
all the chase is right happening from le from left to right. Right. You know, but at the second half, when they the big battle, when they have yeah. to get back, yeah, it's now they're going the opposite direction, and people don't understand. Oh my God, that second half! How come I was at the edge of my? I mean, freaking out, and it's because the whole time is so visually uncomfortable. You're going in the direction that you. It's uncomfortable to your psyche. Another example is is when you have battle sequences like the big ba battle of the bastards in Game of Thrones. You instinctually knew who, which side, um, who were that you needed to root for because um, they're on the left. From left to right, no you kidding. had from left to right. You had uh, John Snow and right? Sansa yeah. moving towards the Boltons, and the Boltons from were were coming from right to left. So you never. You were never confused, and they were dressed in in similar. You know, once you know, all hell breaks loose is completely right. chaotic. But you always knew who the good guys were because they were moving in the direction that you felt most comfortable to, in. And even and if you weren't consciously aware, you were subconsciously so aware. You, for example, you like you feel good with the movement from left to right. That's got to be John Snow. Um, that is the sort of things that I've been attuned to all my life, but now I'm able to explain and teach to my students. I, and, and you've done such a great job of that. I want to use the last couple of minutes. The film festival was regarded as just a community thing. You know, when, when you came on board, it was um, not really ranked in the world of film festivals. It was, a you know, some would say provincial film festival. And yet now it's highly regarded on the world stage. Um, where, where, where do we fit in the food chain of, of festivals, would you say? I mean, I would like to, I mean, no, I, it's not that I would like to think. I think we are in the top 10 in the U.S. for sure. And, um, you know, we're, we're, we're still rising. And um, we're one of the festivals that people want to be at. Exactly. I mean, that that is for sure. We 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 have talent that want to be here. We have filmmakers that want to be here, and and our audience. And that's the part I'm I'm the most excited about. You know, it used to be mostly about about eighty. When I took over, it was about eighty-five percent that was local attendees, right. and now we're we're pretty close to fifty-fifty. Where we have we have fifty percent of our attendance attendance uh, national, um, and it was Southern California. Now we get a, a huge amount of attendees from the East Coast, from Boston, from New York City, that are 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 are, are visiting us because of what we do, but also you know the weather, you know. Uh, it's pretty awesome here. It's the uh, time of year as well, and yeah. I think it's something that the the city has rallied around, and the you know the convention and visitor board has rallied around, and mm -hmm. it's one of the shining jewels. Yeah. Uh, you know, in when we think of the big highlights of why people come to Santa Barbara, that's that's one of, clearly one of the ones I've been most excited about. Well, thank you. And we, it has done done we, quite well. We also did a very something very strategic a couple of years ago, two years ago. We partnered with Travel and Leisure uh, magazine, and they have um, they are they're able to provide us every year. Um, we do a mailing with them that is targeted to East Coast um, affluent 
people that like movies mm. and like to mm -hmm, attend mm -hmm. film events. So we do this 10,000 mailing list that has proved extremely successful for us. I, I enjoy um, welcoming people to Santa Barbara when I'm sitting in the film. Because yeah. you know, there's, there's a community that happens yeah. over those 10 days, yeah? That's great. And you, you introduce yourself to the people around and you find out they're not from around here. And yeah. you know, it's their first, maybe their first time to Santa Barbara. Or you find out that they come every year and they have been coming every year and they just love the festival. Yeah, you know, I live, I live in Goleta and during the film festival, I always stay downtown at the uh, Spanish Garden, and uh, I'm the only local. Everybody is there for the film right. festival, and they're Isn't all from they're all from Boston and Chicago, and it's it's great. And they're all excited. I mean, they're all you can tell because of the lanyards, you know. Right. Uh, having breakfast early in the morning, you see them all with their. I that's actually the the happiest sight for me to during the film festival to go into a restaurant. And everybody has their booklets on, and yes. they have their lanyards. Yes. And, and you see the sea of lanyards. I love that. That that that, that definitely makes my day. When yeah, when I get to get to see that sight. Roger, th thank you so much. Oh I my mean, God. Forty. Boom. Yeah, of course. Done. It's gone by so quickly. Yeah, and and we're you know we're at that part of the show where uh, uh, my listener knows that um, we like to wrap a bow around the conversation. We've had this conversation that we talked about education, we talked about uh, the festival, we talked about your background. If someone was looking at a list of titles, we get to put a title to the show because we know how important that is and you know how important titles are in movies. So what should we entitle this episode? You get first dibs. Really? Yeah. Um, um, uh, the the young man who uh, oh I had it a second ago and I blew it I you know the young man who un understood the power of cinema and now is able to sh to to teach that power to everybody else so that's a, a paragraph let's see if we can get that down to a, a, a title that's I love that though okay is it understanding the power of cinema sure. I, I, I understanding the power of cinema, and I think that um, what's what's also what we didn't get into, but I think it's that I want to say is that the business of the festival, because people listen to the show, they're entrepreneurs, and you know they're they're thinking about business. The business of the festival is a whole nother thing that we could talk about, but that's gone from it being not very good to it, it's a it's a well-run business now. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 we didn't change much. Um, I think, I think the key move that happened for the film festival is that it, it, it the, the dates, and I've said this in the past, is that we switched the dates of the festival, and there, there, that's what that catapulted us where we are today. It By moving it up or moving it. By moving it down, moving, yeah, you know, and 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 it it made the city, um, it, it 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 benefit financially from the influx of 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 visitors, and it also gave us, uh, you know, a, a stronger 
meaning, you know, a, a identity. You know, we became the film festival that that happened after the Oscar nominations took place. Right. So, it's um, you know, it's I think that move um, is what has has I mean has propelled us where we are today, and 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 being able to sell that to corporate sponsors right, on the national right, level. Right, 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 right. That, that was the big thing because we never had national sponsors and now you have lots yeah, of national sponsors. Yeah. And when I, when I took over, I spent most of my time um, on, on corporate sponsors, on bringing in corporate sponsors. So I, I think that, um, yeah. But, but I do have to say, and this is not hum, humble um, and being, you know, false modest, um, the, all the Phyllis de Pachato had created the festival, right. and and if you look at what she did um, in 1986, and you see where the festival are, it, it is today. You see the sidebars, the sections. You know every. You know she created a blueprint. Yeah. Um, it just needed it needed tinkering and 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 passion. You know, and to be. And run with it, you know, and I think that that's what we've done. You, well, you've done a great job. Roger, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, I do really appreciate it. Of course, It was you. great to have this, uh, an extended conversation and get to know and have our, our user listen. So, you know, support, uh, we have, you know, we have listeners from over 47 countries. That's terrific. Yeah, there's a huge uh, Central American uh, contingent as well. And uh, we've got people, I was thinking, as you were talking about left to right, I was thinking about the uh, half a dozen listeners in Israel that we have. So it might be the reverse for Israeli films. Yeah, because they read from right to left. It actually, it depends. I mean, I think that the, the visual m- m- movement is still, you know, you, it, it, you still you still feel the power of the differences. You know, like yeah. you know, that battle. Uh, yeah, that was a good to, one, yeah. yeah. Roger, thank you so much. I also want to thank California Lutheran University School of Management and Tolman and Weicker Insurance Services, our podcasting partner, Polestring Press, for this great studio, and Cielo 24, who provide the searchable captions for the show. The 805 Project now in our third year and 805 Conversations going into our second year is supported by partners and sponsors throughout the region. I want to thank them as well. If you'd like to learn more about partnering with us, go to 805connect.com and look at the partner link. And listener, you may have heard about this show through um, Roger's blog or through social media. And now that you've tapped into the 805 conversation, uh, we'd love you to subscribe. So uh, hit that subscribe button on your podcast so that um, new episodes can be delivered to you automatically. For those of you that are familiar with the show, we'd love it if you would um, rate, write, and review. That helps us tremendously. It helps other people find the show as well. If you've got a comment to make or a guest to suggest, send me a note, mark at 805connect.com, and I answer all those mails, and I, I deeply appreciate them. So until next time, this is Mark Sylvester, your host for 805 Conversations.